You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about tropes, and we're interviewing author Madeline Rue, past guest of the show. We love Madeline. Yeah, I think this is Madeline's, like, third time on the show. It's like Madeline and Mike Chen for 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 most guested on the show. <laughs> but first, Bria, what are you reading? Glassers will be excited to read. No, I'm reading One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Oh, um, big buzzy book. Yeah, very buzzy. Um, Casey McQuiston wrote Red, Red and White, and Royal Blue, um, which I was convinced to read by the Glassers. I'm so glad I did. So then I was like, I'm going to read this other kind of romance. What's interesting about this one is that it is it is like a sort of a romance book. It is, for sure. But it is also, um, like, it has, like, a, ma- a magic or time travel or some sort of twist that I, I'm only halfway through, so I actually don't know what the twist is yet. But basically, there's this woman named August, and she... Um, uh, is living in New York City, and she's new to New York City, and she's kind of like, she's just, she's kind of like, it, it, she's not really, doesn't really know what she's doing with her life. She's like, doesn't have a job, but she finally like gets one, and she she's like I, at like a pancake place, and she's, but she moves in with these kind of cool roommates. She's trying to like figure out who she is, basically. Woman on a journey, uh, very much. And, um, uh, and then she gets on the, the, the Q train at some point, and there's this, woman on there and she's like really gorgeous and she looks kind of like a 70s punk rocker and she's like whoa and they talk and then weirdly every time she gets on the train again that woman is on the train again and come to find out um there's something else going on so you can read this on the back of the book so I'm not giving it's not a spoiler but basically there is some sort of uh, time, time. She's been displaced from time, and somehow, so you find out that like it is a sort of. She actually a, is a seventies punk rocker. She, actually, she is. She is. She's from the seventies. So that's uh, so cool. And she's been stuck on the Q train, and so they kind of start this relationship, oh, and they nightmare. and they have crushes on each other, but you can they can only see each other on the Q train because she can't ever leave. So it's this whole. It's it's great. It's really good so far. It's super cute. Um, the main character is really adorable. Um. Totally would recommend so far. I'll let you know. Um, what are you reading, Mallory? I'm reading a graphic novel that I think uh, I think you would really like. It's super fun. It is, it's a YA graphic novel. It's called I Am Not Starfire, um, written by Mariko Tamaki, who wrote, um, she's written a bunch of really great graphic novels. And uh, the art is by Yoshi Yoshitani. And it is the story about Mandy. So it's basically there's this superhero in the DC universe called Starfire. And this story is about Mandy, who who's her daughter. Now, Starfire is, she's gorgeous. She's thin. She's got magical powers. She's sparkly. She's all these, like, she's a superhero. And Mandy is none of those things. She's like an angsty goth girl um, who has no powers. And she's just, like, very resentful of the fact that Starfire is her mom. Mm-hmm. And like, she just like cannot relate to her mom at all. And she's just like trying to figure out her, she's like, again, very angsty teenager. She's trying to figure out her life. It's like trying to figure out what she wants to do after high school. And, um, she's crushing on this like sexy girl in her, one of her classes, but she like, doesn't know what to do about it. And then of course something bad happens and, um, Mandy ends up having to help her mom and it ends up like figuring out what she, um, what she wants to do with her life. It's just like the art is really, really cute. Uh, the characters are really, really great. And it's just like a super fun coming of age story for people. Who, like it's a great superhero story for people who aren't super into superheroes like me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just absolutely fantastic. So that's I Am Not Starfire by Mariko Tamaki and Yoshi Yoshitani. And mine is One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Mackenzie wrote in with a hot book tip. Wow, wow. Hot book tip. Hot book tip. Hot book tips in the morning. Brian and Mallory. Is that, a siz- is that a good sizzly noise or is that just a hiss? Do it again. <laughs> sounded like a snake. It sounded like a snake. <laughs> no. <laughs> I need to make snake. a fajitas noise. Um, so Mackenzie wrote in saying, thanks for the book suggestions from the Max Fun Drive. I just started the Calculating Stars and I love it. It's funny. I don't know which one of us would recommend that, but. I've never read Calculating either. Stars, weirdly. So it must have been you. Um, well, Mackenzie, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, so Mackenzie's potential hot book tip is, I love learning new things about a wide range of topics, but sometimes don't know where to start. There's so many books out there. I live near a city with a lot of universities and figured that I could go into their bookstores in early spring and fall, find a section with books from related or inter- interesting classes, and see what the professor has set required uh, nice. or recommended reading. Nice, nice, nice. This is a hot book tip. Then I look up those books at my local bookstore or library. I found fantastic fiction and nonfiction this way. This is great when I'm trying to learn about a topic that I've never explored before or finding a true gem of a class that is totally unexpected with an awesome book list. It's also really easy to do this online, especially with the switch to virtual classes. I just look up interesting classes and check the university's bookstore online for the book list. This is extremely fucking cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. I will say, like, um, for a little while in college, I I worked, I volunteered in an anarchist bookstore, and some cool professors would buy their books through us, and we would always be really excited because then we get to see what they were assigning, and I would always try to pick those up, too, because they were, because it's cool because you know they've curated it, you know these books are important to the class or the subject or whatever and um and probably the latest on on that subject, which is which is super fun. I love this, McKinsey. Yeah, this is extremely cool. So Megan wrote in to say, I just listened to the episode in which Mallory talks about her new e-reader. People are very excited about this e-reader, Mallory. I know. It's a big it's a big development in reading glasses mm-hmm. is me getting an e-reader. And I want to share the way in which I am also bitextual, a bitextual reader. All things being yeah. equal, I prefer to read physical books, but sometimes e-readers are so damn darn handy. She said darn, darn handy, especially when you're on the go or wanting to read in bed, just like Mallory mentioned. So my preferred way to read is to have both the ebook and the physical book at the same time. I get the ebooks from wow. the library and then I buy the physical book so that I'm not double buying and then I read them simultaneously. When I'm sitting at home in, in my library at home, I use the physical book. And when I'm lying in bed, traveling, or even wanting to read while eating a two-hander meal, I'm looking at you, messy pita. Um, I use my <laughs> e-reader. <laughs> A two-hander. I love it. <laughs> this system helps me to read easily, no matter what the situation, but not have to bounce between books if I don't want to. Thanks for the podcast. You've helped me get through the last year. I stopped listening to most of my regular podcasts in 2020, but not reading glasses. Thank you. COVID made it clear to me that what my favorite podcasts really were. I felt the same oh, way. Oh, thank you. And oh, This is extremely fucking cool, and that is so nice to hear. It is nice to hear. Um, and Megan's wheelhouse is the first time Megan's written it down, so still evolving. Uh, misfits in space, I love that. Fa- feminist fantasy world building, magical found families, epic science fiction, bonus if cla- classical mythology is somehow involved, books with close adult siblings, and feminist and or queer romance plots. Um, sh- sounds like you could read either book that Mallory and I are reading today. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I love this. By the way, um, I do this with audiobooks and eBooks. Well, I'll do. Oh, I will get the whisper it. sync. 
I don't do whisper sync. I just find the place that I am. I'm, t- I'm not, I don't have the ability to do that. Because usually my books are from the library. So I get the oh, audio. Right, 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 And then right. sometimes I'll buy the audiobook if it's not available from the library. If I'm like walking around and I'm like, I'm really wondering what's happening in that book. I'll just buy it and like, you know, and or from Libra FM and then listen to however many chapters while I'm doing other stuff. That is really funny because that's such a reader thing to do is be walking and be like, well, I wonder what my characters are doing right yeah, now. Yeah, I wonder, why am I not reading? I'm walking? What's happening? I'd rather be reading. Yeah. <laughs> I could be walking and reading at the same time. Exactly. Um, so a quick bookmark, we want to remind folks that our Erotica Book Club is happening Sunday, September 5th at noon Pacific time on our Reading Glasses Instagram. We are reading the foodie, oh, hold on, let me get all the things, queer foodie holiday novella at mangoes and mistletoe by adriana herrera um you uh, we're, there's a link in the show notes you can buy it basically anywhere but what's cool is that um the author has a link on her website you can buy it directly from her um which is what i did i was like this is really cool um we're really excited i mean what else you need to know queer foodie holiday novella you got a holiday baking competition two sexy baking ladies being sexy at each other maybe they'll Food will be involved. Well, we're going to find out. I'm very excited about it. Please join us. So that's September 5th, uh, new, noon Pacific time on our Instagram. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about tropes, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Feel CBD. CBD isn't about what you feel, it's about what you don't feel, like stress, anxiety, and pain. And Feels is a better way to feel better. Feels is a premium CBD designed to help keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free, delivered directly to your door. So, folks, for people who have never tried CBD, it is not what you think it is. (laughs) You're not going to get super high and start listening to The Grateful Dead. Although, maybe you might do that because you already like doing that. But what it does is it naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. There's no hangover or addiction. You're not going to wake up covered in a pile of Cheez-Its. Again, unless you already wake up like that. And that's fine because Cheez-Its are great. Um, I have a anxiety disorder that I have been in therapy for for many a year and I do a lot of things to manage it and I was really really excited to try out feel CBD for it um the it's really easy to use um it, you just put this little oil under your tongue for for like 30 seconds and then swallow it and then you're good there's you don't have to smoke anything there's nothing like that uh it was really really cool it was a great experience and what's cool is that feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. I know it might be a little bit intimidating, but if you're someone who has insomnia or anxiety or um, you're in pain about something, you're really stressed out, which is probably most of us at this point, Feels is a great thing to try. So you can start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash glasses. And that's feels with an A. So feels like seals. F-E-A-L-S dot com slash glasses. And you get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's half off and they ship it to you for free. That's pretty dang good. So that's feels.com slash glasses, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash glasses to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order and free shipping. So that's feels.com slash glasses. Glasses. Does our podcast deep dive into the weirdest Wikipedia pages we can find? Yes. 
Do we learn about scam artists, remote islands, horrible mascots, beautiful diseases, and mythical monsters? Yes, 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 absolutely, and yes. Do we retain any of this knowledge? Eh, probably not. I'm Emily Heller. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. We make art and comedy and TV shows and also the podcast Baby Geniuses. For the past eight years, we've been trying to learn new things about the world and each other every episode. But let's be honest, this podcast is mostly about two friends hanging out, shooting the breeze, and making each other laugh. We're horny, we like gardening and horses, and we get real stupid on here. But like, in a smart way. Yeah. Join us every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. This week, it's all about tropes. What are they? Why do people like them? Why do people dislike them? Are they useful to readers? Do they even matter at all? So first off, tropes. What are tropes? Tropes in literature are basically any method of employing like a specific type of character, storyline, theme, figurative language, or a literary device. Tropes are usually ones that have been used over and over for like hundreds of years, and therefore they're very familiar to a reader. Um, some examples, like the chosen one. There's so many stories out there about like a young character who has like believes that they have no ability to do anything, and boom, they're mysteriously chosen to save the world because they're it's like their destiny to do it. Um, another trope is love triangles and romances. Um, recently the whole em- enemies to lovers thing. That's oh, a yeah. trope that's been very popular for the past like three or four years. Um, some tropes are more associated with like specific genres. Some of them are more general, but, um, they're basically, yeah, they're just something that you see in a book that is from, that is immediately familiar to you. And you're like, oh, I kind of know how this story is going to go, or I kind of know how this character is going to be. Yeah, and they've gotten a pretty bad reputation in the past decade. Um, sometimes people think that they're boring. They pe- think they're cliche uh, because basically, if you see, as you know, this trope is coming, you're gonna you're gonna have a sense of what's gonna happen, and and people sometimes dislike that. Um, something people think a writer following a trope is lazy or re- unoriginal. But at the same time, a lot of people love tropes and specifically look for them. Right. Which is what's so interesting about tropes. Like, if you like a type of story, sometimes you just want more of it with different characters. You know, you're just like, I I love I love this story. You know, some people like like the enemies to lovers thing. People, there's a lot of readers out there who cannot fucking get enough of it, and they just want all the enemies to lover stories. Yeah, which we'll talk about all that in a second. But um, uh, also, just the knowing about tropes, what I, and something I really like about tropes is I love when they're subverted. Uh, and that means when a writer will set up a trope and then go in a completely different direction from what the reader's expecting. Like a princess having to be the one to save the knight or something like that. Because um, normally, obviously, it's the other way around. But I, I, I love that kind of stuff because I think we have this general knowledge of storytelling in our current day culture we know these tropes and i and you can set it up in a certain way and it's so exciting when you're reading a book and you're like i know where this is going and then you don't and what a surprise uh because and the writer knows they're doing that which is always very exciting as a reader to because it's interesting it's almost like it's a shared secret we know the trope you're subverting we know the story that you're not telling and that you've chosen to tell a different story so it can go either way but um yeah I think we all need to stop placing so many value judgments on tropes. I think they're just kind of, they're just fucking there. You know, they're part of literature. You know, often, whether they intended or not, 
books follow some sort of trope. You know, there's definitely sets. There's like a certain set of different types of stories that like most there's a cer- certain groups of uh, of um, of like story formats that most books fit into. Um, and there might be certain tropes a reader doesn't like, but saying a book is too tropey usually just means I think that it's just too much of a trope that the reader doesn't like. I totally agree, and I think also, uh, you know, if it's well written, it's not going to feel too tropey. You know, if it's if exactly. it's a book that you want to read, if it's a book that you are invested, you're not going to give a shit about the trope. And it's interesting because I think tropes. We talk about wheelhouses so much on this show, but that is it is a little bit of what tropes you like. I mean, that's what we're saying. Yeah, right. It could be a way to find your wheelhouse, and and so. Interestingly, tropes can help you to find what you're looking for as a reader. They can be so helpful. So as a writer, I get why you may want to avoid tropes because you're like, oh, I don't want to be lumped into like an I've already read that type category where you're like, I want to write a hero coming of age story. And people are like, I've already read a book like that. But I think if it's good and you have something you have something to say within that trope, I think it's totally okay as a writer. I think as a reader, it's great to know what tropes you like. I think because that's your wheelhouse, basically. Um, and again, I love subversion of tropes. I think that's always really interesting, and I think we're getting to the point where we're doing that more and more. I think that's that's fairy tale retellings, right? We talk about fairy tale. People love fairy tale retellings on the show. Yes. Oh, you know what? God, I never thought about that. But yeah, fairy tale retellings are basically just a giant bunch of tropes being subverted totally and it's basically taking this idea like we all know these fairy tales so like what happens if something different happens what what happens if we turn them on their head in some way and um i just dig that because i always think about we live in a society and this society has like weird rules that we're not even aware of most of the time right like there's like there's things that we're just like we're all thinking about that we don't even talk about but we're like oh we're all thinking about uh, you know, like when zombies had a big moment or whatever, like like when, uh-huh. when certain things get really popular in books. And I think it has to do with what we're going through culturally. Um, this is the American studies major in me. It starts to think about, oh, we're all thinking about uh, consumerism. So we're writing shit about zombies or whatever. And I think that these books and things come out in waves because we're all experiencing something culturally. And I do think we're going to see a lot of um, solo books soon. I think we're going to see a lot of people trying because because of all of us being inside for COVID. Um, I think we're going to see like a wave of books that I do have to do with like um, uh, some sort of like sickness. I think we'll see, I think we'll see these kind of books and they're going to feel tropey, but also I think it's just humanity working through shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's all of our collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bria, what do you have favorite tropes that you love? Like if you, what, what is something like a type of a story that you just can't get enough of. Well, anyone who knows this show knows I love a woman on a journey. A woman, I call it a what? It's the Wizard of Oz trope. It's it's the you're looking for something on the outside, but you realize that it's been inside of you all the time, right? Like like Dorothy was looking for something, but she realized she had it the whole time. It was just the shoes. Um, I really love that. So it's not about the journey; it's about the self discovery. Because I think and and it's and it's a trope. It's in Wizard of Oz, but it's in like it's in a lot of great books where like people go on these long journeys, and then at the end they figure out, oh, it's just if I believed in myself. And like, I love that. I still love it every time. Um, I also love certain characters as tropes. Like there's certain tropey characters I like. So like the small town, like weirdos, the small town gossipers, like people like that. I love like cool, funny tropes like that. That makes me, makes me um, laugh. 
Um, and then also, I got to say, our listeners love a trope. You know, we got a shout out to enemies to lovers. We got to shout out uh, outsiders as protagonists. I think like these are ones oh, that yeah. our, our, our <sighs> listeners just really love. Um, what about you? You got some favorite tropes? Oh, yeah. Um, for my favorite tippity top, absolute favorite trope is the people moving into into a new house to escape their grief and... Oh no, the house is haunted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't get enough of this. I can get. I I have a ton of these books, and I want to buy a ton more. I will buy. I will buy literally any book that has this trope, and so many of them follow the same format. It's uh, a grieving couple, um, a family, um, a, a single person who's going through. They are normally have just gone through like a death or a loss or just like some bad shit has just happened to them. They decide to try to fix it by or run away from it by moving into this new house or a new space. And the house is fucking haunted yeah. and it's scary as shit. I love it. Um, it just again, it doesn't really matter how many times the book has been written because it's always different characters going through this specific situation that to me is perfect because it combines scariness and a scary backstory, which I also love, with some serious character backstory. So I think I love that when you when authors use this trope, as you go through the book, you're getting like this. Eventually, you get like the scary story of what happened at the house to make it haunted. But you're also getting whatever the story of whatever this person has went through. Mm-hmm. Um, like and whatever secrets they're harboring. Absolutely fucking love that. Um, I love stories that are um, werewolves as like like anthropy as a metaphor for something. You know what I mean? Like for there's so many stories about uh, werewolves being a being a werewolf as a metaphor for repression or um, for being a person who is repressed in, in society. I absolutely fucking love that. Um, I think a lot of the horror, there's a lot of horror tropes that I love, but those two are my absolute favorite. Anytime, I always laugh whenever we're like trying to find a scary movie and I'm like, hold on, did this this couple just lose something and they're moving into the house? <laughs> yes. Back to the car. Back to the car up. I see a lonely couple. <laughs> turn I around, turn couple. around. I need to get, <laughs> I need it. That woman um, looks like she's been sobbing for days. <laughs> <laughs> and she's moving boxes into a house. I have to have it. Is that a um, box that later is going to reveal something about her past that she's going to take out, <laughs> open up, and be like, oh, no, it's this thing that reminds me of the horrible thing that happened. And she boxes it back up and she puts it in a corner never to see it again. Yes. And then she finds something in the attic that's very similar. <laughs> um, oh, love it. Um, so other flip side, Bria, what are tropes that you know that you're just not into? So again, I think this is a little bit of a doghouse situation. I don't, I don't have like any specific ones. I think I feel kind of bad because I've, if I've read something many times, like I said, I think these things come in waves. So if like, you know, there's been 15 books that came out this year that are chosen one stories, I will burn out and I will be like, I can't, I can't do another chosen one. And it has nothing to do with that author. It has nothing to do with that book. Give me some boring people that have no ability. This person was chosen for not one damn thing. They were never chosen. <laughs> and when they picked sides in elementary school for kickball, they literally, no one would choose them. <laughs> they were chosen for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> not special in any way shape or form um uh but I, I think um I get tired I get tired of tropes when we see because we see them in waves and like there was a moment where I was like I'm burnt out on like zombies I'm burnt out. but then a book will come along and like subvert them and you'll be like oh I was like I don't know if I care if I need to read any more zombie books but then I read like zone one and I was like like and I'm like oh I I do still like zombie books you know and like it's it's I think um I will get tired of certain things, like everyone, 
but I will give a chance at one, when someone's like, this is that, but different. Like, that's when I'll come back to it. So nothing specific, but, like, when there's, like, 40 books on the same subject, I got to take a break. Um, even even a woman on a journey, sometimes she can go alone, and I'll go do something else for a little bit. She'll, she can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she can head down that head down that road by herself, and I'll go. I'll go read a book about uh, you know space pirates or whatever. Um, uh, what about you? Any tropes you don't like? You know, you know me. I fucking hate the love triangle. Oh, and yeah. like, so I recognize that the love triangle is a very good trope for romance because it adds a ton of tension to a love story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I to- I hundred percent understand it. I, I objectively understand why readers would like it, but for me, stresses me out too fucking much. I just, someone's going to get, I know someone's going to get their feelings hurt unless they're going to end up in a threesome, which very rarely happens. So just pick one. So just fucking pick one. You know which one you're going to pick. It just, uh, that was the only thing that really stressed me out when we read, um, uh, to all the boys I loved before, I was just like, oh, lady, just pick one. But they Come don't on. know which one. That's what makes it a triangle. They don't know which no, I one. I know, I know. It's an equal know, lateral problem. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, this, again, it's, uh, and that's what the thing about a lot of these, a lot of tropes is that there, there aren't any tropes where I'm just like, ugh, terrible. Because I, like you said, I know they can always be done well. But, and I under, like, I intellectually understand how, how well a lot of them work. But love triangle i just can't handle and actually this is not in our outline but you gave me the idea i i need to ask you what is what's the trope you like to see subverted i would say anything that i feel like i've worn out on and it like like i said like when i i was like i just i don't need know if i need i i I don't know any and even like ones where i'm just like that surprise me i think like um um yeah, like like a like a retelling, like something where I'm just like, oh, I didn't expect that to go that way, you know. Like, I mean, I do, I I I like, I don't know. I'm just saying, I think I'm saying, I just like general subversion. There's none that I can think of specifically. Do you have one specifically? Specifically? Yeah, I think in a horror, which obviously is like my favorite thing, so it's something I think about all the time. Um, I I think I love the because I'm thinking about books that I. Books that subvert tropes that I really like, and they all a lot of them have this in common, is like the innocent girl who, because in a lot of like classic horror, this like oh the innocent girl and all these things of all these like the forces of darkness are are trying to get to her because she's so pure and she can't be helped and she just needs someone to come rescue her. And I love stories that flip that around. Um, Like one of the things I loved about Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay is that they're trying to make it seem like this girl who has been possessed is. you know, she's just a, a silly teenage girl, but there's this great part where her sister's like, she's a 14-year-old teenage girl with access to the internet. Like, you can't, you don't think she can do all this stuff? Yeah. Like, I, I love stories like that where, um, you know, like the movie Ex Machina is a great one where you think, like, she's this innocent girl who needs to be rescued and, like, sorry, for folks spoiling the movie ex machina but she's like masterminding it the whole time and Mm -hmm. using the people assuming that she's an innocent girl who doesn't know anything against her like i love that especially in horror Mm -hmm. um that's super fun um so folks send your favorite tropes least favorite tropes tropes you like to see subverted send them to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we talk to madeline rue about her new book reclaimed which bria i think you're gonna be really excited about it's very cool it's about this like sci-fi world where there's a, like, oh, Madeline's about to explain all of it. I'll let, I'll, I'll let her do it, but it's very, very fun. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Rotman Business School. 
We all know that the job market is a mess right now. Whether you're looking for new opportunities or you want to make yourself a stronger candidate for promotion, how you present yourself is key to taking the next step. So what Rotman's Business School wants to teach you is executive presence. Executive presence is the secret sauce to success, and they have a unique virtual executive presence program that will equip you with tools and tips to engage and influence others. Maybe you just want to be a better leader. Maybe you want to project that you are a good leader and use those qualities to get you ahead at work. Rotman has designed this comprehensive virtual program to work around your current schedule. With Rotman's executive presence, you can balance working from home and watching the kids or maybe taking care of your cats hitting your your uh, library book due dates whatever you need to do Rotman's virtual program is designed to work around it whatever you're doing so it's going to build your emotional intelligence help you make connections with peers across different industries pretty freaking cool uh, so the university of toronto Rotman school of management is one of the best schools in canada and world ranked number 17 for open enrollment executive education by the financial times it's pretty dang good so you can visit uofte.me slash executive presence, uofte.me slash executive presence to learn more and apply. The classes start September 15th and you can start your application today to save your seat. So right now, while you're listening to this pod podcast, you can do it. That's uofte.me slash executive presence. Rotman, here's where it changes. Glasses, just to say glasses. The Beef and Dairy Network is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast here on Maximum Fun, and I would recommend you listen to it. But don't just take it from me. What do the listeners have to say? Would I recommend Beef and Dairy Network podcast? Um, no, I don't think I would. Right, let me be very clear about this. Under no circumstances would I recommend this to anyone I've ever met. No, absolutely not. No, I couldn't. I feel quite sick thinking about the things I've heard. Please stop calling me. Please leave me alone. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast available at MaximumFun.org and at all good and some bad podcast platforms. Literally, just leave me alone. So here we are with friend of the show, one of our favorite authors here on Reading Glasses, Madeline Rue. Madeline, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's a pleasure. Am I a friend of the pod? Of course. Is this is like your oh my third gosh. or fourth time on the show. I've always wanted to be a friend of a pod. You are I a friend of a pod. So, I'm so blessed. Especially this one. This one is like... Oh, it's just a happy place. So thank you for having me. Salvage was like my, on my, on our reading glasses, best of list the year it came out. I want to say last year, but I don't remember years anymore. I think it's it was the year before. Was it 2019? Okay. Yeah. It might have been I keep thinking I of know. last year as 2019 because 2020 <laughs> yes. doesn't count. Um, Time is not a thing anymore. I don't, I don't know. It really is. I can only see what's right in front of me at this point. It's true. I'm like a goldfish now. Um, anyways, Madeline, most important question. What are you reading? Okay. So I just picked up, it just came out. It's brand new. The past is red by Catherine Valenti. I am, <gasps> I've been seeing that. I'm obsessed with it. I cannot recommend it enough. It is like, it takes a lot for me to laugh out loud at a book. Like I, there's plenty of books that I find funny and charming 
but to actually burst out laughing when I'm reading something is pretty rare. And I've done it several times <laughs> and it's a short book. Like it's, I'll probably finish it today because it'll only be like a two sitting book for me, but I'm, I'm fast, but it's incredible. It's so funny. It's so smart. Um, it's a great story, but it's also obviously very um, like serious in a way because it's also about climate change and um, kind of this catastrophic future that we have created uh, by our own, our own negligence. So I can't, I really, I can't recommend it enough. Fantastic. So speaking of amazing books, can you tell us about your new book that's coming out, Reclaimed? Yes. Um, so this is, it's not a direct sequel to Salvage. They're just in the same sci-fi universe. Um, so if you've read Salvage, you'll recognize places and a few people and like the technology, but um, it's a brand new story set in that universe. And it centers around kind of three central figures. Um, Senna, who recently escaped from a pretty dangerous cult. Um, Zuri, who is like this androgynous top model of the universe. And Han, who's kind of just like your average gamer boy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they all have experienced, the only thing they have in common, they're very different people, but the only thing they have in common is that they've experienced very serious, somewhat recent traumas. And they are offered the opportunity to go to sort of this mysterious compound and have those traumatic memories just completely taken away. Not even like a therapy, just have those memories and those traumas erased. And so all for different motivations, they all say yes and end up going. And obviously all is not what it appears. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's uh, I would say it's pretty dark. Uh, it's, it's in the horror, it leans horror, um, but it's also kind of a thriller as well. And um, I mean, I, I, it's very near and dear to my heart. I think it's, I think it's probably the best thing I've written. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. Oh, I'm so, so pumped for it. So this episode is all about tropes. So as a writer, do you like to think about tropes? Do you use tropes? Do you like to subvert tropes? What is your writerly relationship to tropes? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with them. It's funny that this coincides with this episode because Reclaimed, each one of those main characters does kind of fit a trope. And then I like to take that, you think you know what you're getting into and sort of subvert it and take that character on a journey that you kind of didn't see coming. Um, I think tropes are such an asset as a writer because you could either lean into them and give readers something that feels kind of familiar and almost like homey, right, and comfortable or you can take what people think they know and kind of use it against them, <laughs> which is which is always fun. But, you know, like it, it adds an element of surprise. It adds an element of, um, you know, kind of gives you that like edge of your seat feeling when you're like, wait a minute, I thought I thought this person was like this. And then you find out that that's not true. So um, I'm very, I'm very into them. I feel like every book I sort of pick one to focus on and play with. I think they're super useful. Um and I think it's sort of, I don't know, it's weird that people are like against them. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's, I'm like, that's not a thing you can be. They just <laughs> exist and they exist for a reason, right? I mean, we're, we're pattern-based creatures. So it makes sense that they, you know, certain character types, certain archetypes sort of like embed themselves in our, in our fiction. As both a writer and a reader, do you have any favorite tropes that you like to use? Or like you, if you see a book with mm. one in there, you're like, oh, I have to have that. Um, I know for me, um, if I'm, if I'm like looking at a romance, my next romance read, 
uh, I if something is like rivals to lovers, like I'm there. (laughs) I'm, I'm there. I love that. Or even sort of like enemies to lovers, that sort of like tension that like, ah, like the bickering and the banter, but then really they love each other. I don't know. For me, that just always, that always works. Uh, what about the the uh, like reverse? Like, are there any tropes where you're like, mm, not into it? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. There's nothing that's like immediately repellent to me. I don't think. Um, I want to say like kind of the chosen one, but even that, if it's done to me, it's much more in the execution, not the trope itself. Don't blame, don't um, blame obviously- the tropes. <laughs> right. Well, uh, yeah, because I'm like, I like I want to say chosen one, but then like I've written kind of a chosen one book. And like, I think you can do it well. I think, you know, I think if I get the whiff of chosen one <laughs> from like the cover, <laughs> I'm usually turned off. If it's sort of a surprise or it happens in an, un- un- uh, an unlikely way, then I'm there for it. But yeah, I think if I see a cover and I'm like, oh, this is going to be like the magical girl, the magical boy story, I kind of keep away from it but yeah that's the only one I can think of oh that's very funny so Madeline you've been on the show before but we Bria and I love to update our wheelhouses so here in 2021 what is your reader wheelhouse what are what what is always going to get you to pick up a book oh that's a good question besides Um, sexy enemies to lovers yeah (laughs) um you know it's actually it's funny I was having a conversation with some friends the other day because they always are like oh what are you reading and I was like, I'm having the hardest time finding a book right now. Like there's so I'm in this really picky mindset where I I want something, but I don't know what it is. And it's funny because it wasn't until I picked up The Past is Red by Capaletti that I was like, oh, this is what I wanted. I didn't, it's not what I expected at all to be the thing that, that got me back, like got me out of my reading slump. But I think it's because to me, it's the voice. Like that's, that's always... I'll, I'll read a book about literally anything as long as I click with the voice. Um, it's always, and it, it's so it's, I can't even describe which, what, what that means. I think there has to be um, just a uniqueness to the voice and also a sort of confidence when I pick up a book and I'm like, Oh, this person knows what they're doing. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's a feeling I want. I want to feel like I'm in good hands. That is awesome. So Madeline, where, is there a special place to buy Reclaimed? Where can we find you online? Um, you should be able to grab it from any book purveyor of your choice. Uh, it's out on the 17th, I believe, and of August. And uh, yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, hopefully your local indie store, <laughs> I would hope, is is where you shop for books. Um but yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, um, just search my name and I should pop up. Awesome. Madeline, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Now let's answer a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Emily writes in, I have a question after your episode about ethical ebook consumption. Does Jeff Bezos benefit from me getting library books on my Kindle? I bought a Kindle years ago before I realized Amazon sucks, but I only ever use it to read library books, which I thought was a good workaround. But then it, it, but it then occurred to me that Jeff probably wouldn't have anything on his products that doesn't make him money. So does he benefit from me using a Kindle to read from the library? P.S. I recently got one of the book seats that you guys reviewed a while back and it has revolutionized my favorite hobby, reading while knitting. My days of rigging heavy things to make my book stay open while my hands are occupied are over and I'm so happy about it. Thank you guys. Thank you for the show. It brings me so much joy each week. Um, uh, 
Emily, I will say I also I whenever we get stuff for the show, it always like ends up with one of us. And I got the book seat and boy, it lives next to my bed. I use it every day. I am Love obsessed it. with it. Good. Um, so Bria, what 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 do you what do you what's the what do you think? Okay. Short answer is yes, he does benefit because um they get your data. So when you are as you know, if you are a Kindle reader who uses library, overdrive, anything, you when you check out a book, you get sent to Amazon to actually have to you there's one extra click. You click the book and it takes you to Amazon and there's one extra click. And it's because they are gathering that data. Because what's more important to Amazon and Jeff Bezos and everyone else is not necessarily those dollars. It is those dollars, but it's that data. So they know they know that you're reading that smutty, smutty book about <laughs> Jeff Bezos himself personally, he, even though he's not the CEO of Amazon no, anymore, is looking at your looking data and going, oh. at your data. Um, uh, he knows he's like, Bria Grant, wow, loves a book about space. If she only could be in space with me. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> They use that. What you, a night, but that's like a true nightmare book is being stuck in space with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And then, you, uh, you know, he'd just talk about himself the whole time. He'd still found a way to make oh it God. about himself instead of space. It'd be like, yeah. we're looking like- at the earth and he'd be like, but what about me? <laughs> <laughs> Look at my cowboy. I wrote a novel. I wrote a, I know it's going to be the great American novel. Read my script. Um, uh, oh my God. Can you imagine the nightmare? If, sorry, this is such a tangent, but if Jeff Bezos wrote a book. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yes. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, oh my God. Uh, God, he'll eventually write a memoir is what's going to happen. That's what I mean. And it like Amazon will ter- be turned entirely into a Jeff Bezos memoir machine. Yes. Every book you buy, you get a free copy of Jeff Bezos. It's like that fucking U2 album. <laughs> so true. All right. So... At the very least, um, actually, you probably know this, Emily, that um, uh, Amazon is probably advertising books to you, and they're books that are based on your library books. And they're very well uh, curated. So when I look down there, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I do want these books. I'm going to get them from the library. Um, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but but they're, they know. They know. So, so uh, even if they are not necessarily making a dollar off of you personally, they're getting the thing that every company wants right now, which is your data and what you like to read. Um, and also, I did a little bit of research, and from what I can tell, Amazon does charge Overdrive a fee. There's a really good article um, all about um, how Amazon has... Uh, is trying to make it harder for libraries. Um, and uh, so if, if a book is published through Amazon, they don't want it at the library. There's like a lot of stuff like that happening at the moment. And we'll link to that. Um, yeah, but- there's a lot of like controversy about that and about like Audible, Audible originals, how they won't go to the library. And that's like the only place you can get them is through Audible. Right. Right. Yeah. So they're making sure things like that. Um, and and I do believe and we'll ch- we'll fact check this too, but I think Amazon does charge overdrive a fee for using Amazon service when you check out a book, if that makes sense. So like because they use that platform as part of the ebook platform that they're using, uh, uh, they, they, the library is getting charged a fee. You aren't, obviously, but the library is getting charged. Huh. Yeah, I um it's funny when we got this question, I was like, oh no, it, that should be fine. But there's so much that like, I mean, just using anytime you interact with Amazon, I mean, it's like, 
you know, it's like when you uh, are looking for, I don't know, a fucking birthday cake and all of a sudden then you look over on Instagram and it's like, hey, birthday cakes are us is being oh, yeah. advertised to you. Oh, it's the like, worst. If, if you look up like ugh, stuff, you're like, I really need, I really need a, a bath mat. Every, I need a bath mat. And then you look at it on Amazon and then I feel like every, I open up a closet door and there's a bath mat. Like someone going like, do you need that <laughs> it's bath mat? It's the red mat? cord. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a werewolf. It's a werewolf. Do you need do you werewolf holding a bath mat? Here's it. Like, like literally, there's like just a man at my door being like, "You didn't buy that bath mat? Are you considering it still? Or do you need that bath mat?" Oh, that's the worst. Is when they're like, "Hey, do you still want this?" And you're like, "Who are you? Leave yeah. me alone." Yeah, you don't know me. Um, yes, but, so but they know. They know. They know. And and the thing is, of course, when you're using your Kindle to 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 uh, to read library books, like it's your you know, you're not buying the book through Amazon. You're supporting your library. You're still supporting that author. All those great things are still happening. And that's what makes this stuff so complicated. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, like Bria said, it's their data. It's your data that they really want. That's the thing. Amazon doesn't actually care about selling books. It's all the other things. And here's the scary thing about it. It's not just the data of what books you read. It's when you're getting those books. It's how what time you're doing it. It's how much you're willing to spend. It is uh, how if you do it in bulk. Like, it's that kind of data because they're like, oh, this person likes to buy books in the morning. And, like, things like that that you don't even think about, Amazon knows that shit about you, unfortunately, at this point in our lives. Um, um, yes. And And... It's a little unavoidable, and hopefully we'll figure out ways to privatize our data better as we learn that the internet is bad for all of us. But, um... <laughs> Uh, so don't feel terrible, Emily. Like, don't, don't, we all, there's, there's literally, there's, there's very few ways around it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that as much as it is great to do your best to support indie bookstores, to support authors, uh, to support the library, like, Emily, you're okay. You know, (laughs) like we get it, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your best and, honestly i'm sure i haven't even watched that did you watch that documentary like social the social something oh yeah it's horrifying that's that's where you'll get a lot of this information from yeah i mean it it, they don't make it easy on you to honestly in order to avoid all these things you basically have to live like live in a hollow in a tree you know and eat nothing but acorns it's it's very difficult to avoid these things so even like i i don't want emily to feel like she needs to go rush out and like switch to becoming a print reader or like buy a kobo or buy something else because like it's you know there's just all this stuff is really really complicated and again emily you're still supporting authors you're still supporting the library you know you're not you're not bringing down the world by using your kindle to use library books but like bria said you should know all this stuff you know you're still you know, they're still, they have, they're like great. I always think of Amazon as like the great eye of Sauron, you know, like there's, it's still on you. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, it's the same way if you like, if you browse on Amazon, even if you're, even if you don't buy something, if you're just looking for things, like it's just tracking all of that stuff. Um, it is. So don't panic, but. Um, but to, but it know. knows when you're sleeping. No. It knows when you're awake. It knows when you get books from the library. <laughs> it knows when you're so like go to your indie shop for goodness' sake. One a.m. and you're like can't sleep and you're looking at like romance books on on, on Amazon. It knows. It knows these things about it you does. and then wants to it, really that that's I mean that's the big problem and that's what it I, it's funny you see a lot of indie books now indie bookstores now that are um, using all this this signage that says um, we want to support places that want to sell books and not colonize the moon because mm-hmm. um, that's the really like Amazon's ultimate goal is not to like you know support the book world it's to you know make an Amazon store on the moon or whatever mm-hmm. so that's really the thing but yeah Emily you're okay. 
It's fine. Yeah. Don't, don't. There's a lot of other worse things going on in the world. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank our wonderful mods who run the Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy reading glasses, pillows, stickers, which you can laminate and turn into bookmarks, mugs, tote bags, t-shirts, which I got my t-shirt recently and I love them in our new, in our brand new store by Void March. Our friend Jordan over at Mo- Void March really knocked it out of the park. Uh, there's a link in the show notes for you to check that out. And if you like the show and you're like, wow, Mallory and Bria are great. I want to do something nice for them. Actually, I don't know when this episode co- is coming out, but it might be coming out next near my fucking birthday. Wow. You want to get me a birthday present that isn't pre-ordering my book? If you're like, I want to get Mallory a birthday present for free, Give us a five-star review on iTunes. It takes less than a minute. What else, What other birthday present can you get for someone that takes 30 seconds? Not many. Mm-mm. Maybe a hug. But even, we can't see each other right now, so. <laughs> five-star review might be better. Uh, you can be, uh, email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter. 